Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Uh, whether we walk, run, cycle, shoot, or drive. Scoot, sorry. <laughs> okay. That's an important typo there. We all use our roads and we all know that they could and should be safer and better to use. So how do we do it? Simon Delaney has travelled to the Arctic Circle. That would be TV host and uh, actor, of course. Has travelled to the Arctic Circle and beyond to find out for his new show on the roads with Simon Delaney. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Jensen. That was a lovely sound that you just played. So. Get you going in the morning now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets the blood pumping. Good man. So come here. Congratulations on the TV show. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, thank It's the fourth uh, series we've done with the RSA and RTA. So we kind of looked at, in the first series, we looked at uh, sort of Irish driving habits. Then we did a series about, you know, kind of from the cyclist point of view. And then we did a series about the driving test. So this one, we're kind of looking across Europe in terms of things that they're doing in cities across Europe that we could maybe put into place here. Yeah. Well, you went to Stockholm. Uh, they seem to be fairly slick at what they've got going on there in terms of um, dealing with traffic situations and quality of life and all that. What did you learn from them? Yeah, they seem to be, I mean, the Swedes will be known as a more kind of compliant kind of nation of people. You know, they tend to observe rules, like they will stop at red lights, they'll slow down at pedestrian crossings, they kind of observe. Interesting. Limits. But what struck me there was they kind of, like their speeding fine start at 150 euro. They start at 150 euro right. and go to 400 euro. And if you're caught going 21 kilometres an hour over the limit, your licence is taken off you on the spot. Okay, right. So a bit stricter. And they are, yeah. You travelled up to the Arctic Circle to places that are would be difficult to drive in at the best of times. And, and I know you had a chat to one of the police officers up there. Let's have a quick listen to that chat. The car drivers here, they kind of feel it's so little traffic, I can drive a little bit faster. And then, and that's where the problem yeah, starts. Yeah, we have about fifty percent of the drivers here are driving too fast okay. in the urban city. Fifty percent, fifty percent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. If someone is speeding, are there levels of fines? What way do you work it? Yeah, it, it's level of fines. Up to ten kilometers over, you get a hundred and fifty euro. Okay. The next step is two hundred. Okay. Uh, and so on, up to four hundred euros. And so. W- with 50% of the people speeding in the jurisdiction he's in, is that because it's a remote area or is that just... Because if you say the Swedish are more compliant, obviously in a general sense they wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Yeah, on that on that stretch of road, <clears throat> now bear in mind the stretch of road those guys are policing is a stretch of road that goes 500 kilometres from <laughs> right up to the north uh, of, of Sweden to, and it services two kind of port cities. The city we were in was called New Lu. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's very convincing. Swedes listening. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> typical actor. Just sell it. Just sell it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, they produced this one stretch of road. Now, obviously, there's different speed limits along that road, but and mainly, it's kind of, you know, heavy traffic. It's because they're two mining towns, so it's a lot of industrial traffic going up and down there. But we spent the day with them on a checkpoint there, and you know, while we were there for a couple of hours, I mean, they stopped and find. I'd say maybe 20, 25 drivers, you know, and then we moved in closer to the city into a more urban setting with them. And we looked at how, you know, we're trying to look at the difference between policing urban and policing rural areas and sort of looking at think what are they looking for? You know, and they're looking for the same things as the Irish police are. And it's, it's the same thing applies everywhere. Speed is still the biggest problem. Mm. But mobile phone use, uh, they're checking for drink driving, drug driving. One guy was stopped just at this random checkpoint and he had 
steel bolts attached to the sides of his wheel nuts so that he thought he was gladiator basically this fella like four inch uh, blades attached to his this is in a random checkpoint now in, in the morning all right uh, he was he was he was fined on the spot and what what, what um, was his logic for doing that who was he trying to run off the road really hates cyclists I by know, the sounds of things <laughs> yeah yeah it just it looked cool it looked cool wow but uh but I, I, Simon, I, I know you visit a lot of kind of, you know, places that have got rid of tra- cars in city centres. I know you went to Cardiff and they've made a lot of changes to help them with city pollution. And I know you went yeah. to places in Spain, very similar. But the big argument here is constantly that other countries are better at joined up thinking and they have a better public transport infrastructure. So when you do force people off the road and out of their cars, they have an option. Just even in my own experience... I know that the, you know, the the city manager has said he wants to aggressively f- get people out of their cars. It's, it's an aggressive plan that they're using in Dublin. Yeah, see, I think that's the wrong language. Uh, it is, really yeah. Do because, um, because it's unrealistic to ever want <coughs> or expect any city to be car free. People live in the city. People go to college. People go to work. You know, goods and services need to get in there. It's all a case of, it's what I've discovered in the series is it's a case about if you build it, they will come. And if you survey people and say, would you like to get more involved in active travel? And active travel just doesn't mean on the bike or walking. That means using public transport. Most people will say yes, because this isn't a debate anymore. We can't, like, we have to lower emissions. And as part of the road safety strategy, Vision Zero, where they want to reduce road deaths by 2030 and eliminate them completely by 2050, those two things are now aligned because if we reduce congestion, you'll reduce emissions. So if you, but if you ask anybody, like, do you want it to be safer outside the schools where your kids go, traffic-wise, no one's going to say no. So we have to sign up for it. We have to, as a collective, say, well, look, let's do it for the greater good. But we'll only do it. And I'm the same. I live out in North County, Dublin. I'm not going to cycle into work into town. A, I'm not in the Tour de France. B, I'd have a heart attack by the time I get to the airport. But, <laughs> but, but I would need public transport. So you have to make sure that the infrastructure is in place. And the infrastructure means safe, segregated cycleways and a public transport system that works. And but we all know car- that, though, Simon. The problem is that, like, say, for instance, but you know, if you're on the north side of Dublin, then you'll know that they're actively narrowing one of the main arteries into the city from the north side, and that's Fairview, because they yeah. they're putting in cycle lanes. And, you know, that will annoy a lot of people. But you know what? We need to be doing that kind of thing. But at the same time, since that started, and since they're trying to aggressively push us out of our cars, they've tried to... Um, got rid of the direct bus route from where I live in North County, Dublin, and now they're planning to do the same with the darts. So as, at one point, they're getting out of your car, but actually then they're, not provide, they're providing a worse service than they did before they started. But isn't that, isn't that the case with everything that's wrong in the country? It needs to be joined up thinking. You know, the people who are making the decisions and who are putting the plans together need to listen to all of the lobby groups and work out a plan that works for everybody. But then... Like in Malahide during the pandemic, they closed down New Street, pedestrianised it. And the local shops were delighted because they had their outdoor areas and there was more footfall on the street. And then when the pandemic was over and they asked the public, do you want us to keep it closed? They said, no, reopen it. Mm. Put the cars back on it. So it's, it's, it's such, there's, so, there's so many different variables involved with it. The, the point of the series was that we went to places that again, came up against change. Because you look, at every time you announce something, there's going to be a pushback towards it. We, did, we put a place, the smoking ban here. The Euro came in overnight. In Sweden, they went from driving on the left-hand side of the road 
to the right of that's right yeah. overnight yeah. overnight can you imagine the carnage here was there anything you, you found in, in the course of, of making the series that we in Ireland do well well I think we have I think we have numbers and numbers of, of groups around the country who are t- trying to do the right thing like we have a lot of greenways put in around the country we were over in the west of Ireland looking at greenways around towns in Mayo you know the idea of the remote working hubs I, I was in a remote working hub in Ackill Island I mean I was talking to people in Ackill Island who are travelling commuting from Ackill Island to Longford every day yeah I mean, that's insanity so one thing that the pandemic has shown us was Again, it depends on the infrastructure. If you've got good fibre broadband, the majority of people can work from home. So there are pockets of things. There's, there's little things around the country that are happening. One man down in Limerick lived near a very, uh, what we, we would have called back in the day, an accident black spot, a bend on a road, and there were a number of fatalities every year, and he knew several people who had lost their lives on us. So he started a Facebook group, a campaign. They lobbied the local politicians, and eventually after two to three years, they got the road straightened. Mm. There hasn't been a fatality on it since 2012. Wow. So it, it's a real case of, you know, what I took from Sweden particularly was that we need to do things in terms of the greater good because everybody wants to do it. Nobody wants dangerous roads. Nobody's saying get rid of the cars. I'm a car driver. I'd be worried without the car. You know, I have to use my car. So nobody wants to say and this thing of, you know, aggressively trying to get people out of cars, that's the wrong way about it. It needs to be joined up thinking, and we need to think of all the different lobby groups who are involved. It's it's not an easy job, but I don't envy them. Yeah, but particularly, not. you know, there's people listening to us who don't live in Dublin, live in rural, in rural communities, exactly. and we're complaining that, hey, there's less buses and it takes me longer to get into town now than it did before. But no, actually, yeah, but they're going, exactly we don't right. have a bus. <laughs> so, until exactly right. that changes. We spent time, we're, we're we spent time there on, in episode two with a local bus service down from Shambo and Leitrim. This is a new thing that's come in, new system that's linking local villages around Drum Shambo that, is ne- that had never been done before. Mm. That's the kind of stuff we need because otherwise, you're going to take your car. How are you going to get from that small village outside that town into the town if there's no public transport? Yeah. You're going to drive because it's too far to cycle unless you put a greenway in there or green belt or save, you know. So the systems, they are in place. They're thinking about them. There's, there's all sorts of pilot schemes around the country. This local bus service is going to be rolled out across the country. And you're absolutely right. The majority of our roads in Ireland are rural roads. They're not urban roads. So we, we, we've spent time as well, again with people who have tried to embrace active travel down in rural Leitrim, who's, you know, this one particular family who cycled to school every day, cycled the kids to school every day, like five or six miles, you know, and and I was thinking, Jesus, how do you do it in terms of the roads aren't great, you know, the weather is cat. And then she said to me, well, look, this whole thing of the weather being bad, it actually rains less in Ireland than it does in Paris. Now, I found that hard to believe. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's all sort of obstacles put up, but people want to do it. Yeah. And, as you say, you're absolutely right. The rural end of it is 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 a bigger picture, and yeah. most of the roads in Ireland. I rural. think Eamon Ryan's just going to call around to everybody's house and give everyone a backer on his bike. That's how they'll <laughs> all get to work. So, Simon, your show uh, on the roads with Simon Delaney is Mondays at eight thirty on RTE and available on the RTE player as well. Simon, thanks for joining us today. A pleasure, chaps. Have a good day. All the best. See you later. Bye bye. Dermot and Dave, weekdays from nine a.m. Today.